Welcome to Soul Sessions with Creative Mind with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado of Creative Mind. Join us each week for an inspiring conversation about personal development based on Jungian philosophy, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Spend each week with us to explore deep topics in a practical way. Let's begin. Hello, welcome to another episode of Soul Sessions with Deborah and Rob Maldonado, founders of Creative Mind, and we are so excited to continue yeah. our sp- uh, Spiritual Principles of Wisdom Traditions series. The summer series. Yes, and today we're talking about how to free mm. yourself from past karma. How can you do that? A lot of people yeah. say, I, I, it's my karma. Yeah. Uh, the karma's going to get you. <laughs> good karma, bad karma. Yeah. And uh, yes, yeah, so it's an important topic uh, because it, it has entered our not only our vocabulary, but our conceptual uh, understanding of uh, spiritual practices now. And so it's a good idea to really think about what are we talking about when we say karma. Uh, you know, I hear a lot of my clients and uh, students ask me, mm. Well, why is this person getting away with all these bad things they're doing? And yeah. how, what's what? I thought your thoughts create your life, and if they're negative and they're bad, how come they get away with everything? And so it just feels like this idea of justice or injustice, mm. and we all, and karma is often used as a way to find justice in the world. So I'm going to start with a little story. Are you ready for story time, Rob? Can I just uh, add something about? Our approach, sure. uh, because many many people take these ideas very seriously. Of course, they're they're practicing Buddhism or Vedanta, uh, or, or some type of spirituality that um, uh, talks about karma or includes karma in their theology. Uh, we're approaching it from a psychological coaching perspective. So we not a religious. Yeah, we we mean. Our, our interpretation is meant to be taking, taken as uh, uh, as just that, our own interpretation and uh, in, in the psychological sense. So there was a man who lived in a small town in a village, and um, he had a, a wonderful experience. He had a son was born. And so everyone in the village came to his house and said, you are so lucky. You were. You have a son. He, it's so exciting. You, know, you must be a lucky person. And the farmer said, it could be good. It could be bad. The next a couple of years later, the, the son grew up and he started working in the, uh, on the farm. And uh, he kind of did a little error. He opened the gate and let the, the horses that they had used on the farm out and they escaped. And everyone in the village came to the farmer and said, oh, what bad luck. You, your son let those horses go. Now you don't have the, the, uh, the animal power to do your farming. And it's so terrible, such bad luck. And he said, could be good, could be bad. Then uh, a couple days later, those w- horses brought back a bunch of wild horses. And they all went back into the corral. So now he had like three times as many horses uh, because of that experience. And again, the townspeople came and they said, oh, you're so lucky. That's such a lucky thing that happened to you. And he said, well, it could be good. It could be bad. Then the son goes out and he's trying to tame these wild horses. 
and he gets on one of the horses and it bucks him, he breaks his leg. Oh, the village says, what bad luck. Now your son can't f- farm for you. You lost a hand, a working hand. And this, the, the farmer said, it could be good, could be bad. Then the army came. There was a war in the, the, um, the neighboring towns, and they were gathering up young, able-bodied men to go and fight the war. And they couldn't take the son because he had broken his leg, so he wasn't able to fight. And again, the townspeople said, could be good, could be bad. And so, uh, I mean, the, the townspeople said, that, that what a good luck, and he said, could be good, could be bad. And so the story really demonstrates that we don't know from one event or one mm. experience whether something's good or bad. It, everything can have, if it plays out, things could be good or bad. And, and that's really the subject of what karma is, this idea of good or bad karma. Yes. So ultimately, all karma, uh, and this is our interpretation of the, the way it's explained in the Gita and in the Upanishads, all karma is neutral. There is no good karma and no bad karma. Of course, the good and the bad is a subjective interpretation, meaning the individual says, this is good for me or bad for me. In that, that moment, like in, in your story of the farmer, um, the um, let's say for the the ordinary person believes in that good or bad mm-hmm. that the 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 goodness or badness of things are in the situations themselves yes. and when you see the situation you're making an assumption from past experience of how to judge that mm. situation yes and in reality there is no good or bad uh so the proper interpretation from our perspective is that karma is neither good nor bad, but it's an important element because the Gita explains that karma is, or understanding karma is really understanding the secret of action. What is going on when we take action in the world? And so I remember when we uh, do our trainings, we talk about the, the person takes an action and then the results we judge from the ego's perspective as positive or negative. And then, like anything else, if something's pleasurable, we're going to store that. If it's negative, we're going to store that in our conditioning mm-hmm. so we know how to predict the next time it happens. So that is classic conditioning, but also karma. We are creating our own karma by our judgment of things. Yes. So... Uh, let's say it's closer to what in psychology is called operant conditioning. Uh, classical conditioning oh, is, is considered a little bit more of association, like mm. the things that are in the environment when you get that reward or that mm. punishment are kind of, uh, kind of pl- recorded. Of yeah. yeah, recorded as part of that negative or positive uh, reaction. Well, isn't it a combination of both? Most things are, yeah. yeah most things are. Uh, but uh, operant conditioning is very similar to what the Gita describes as that conditioning effect that an action has on you. And it's it's really like an emotion, a yeah. pleasurable emotion or a, a repulsion. Yeah. And we're kind of working with that attraction-repulsion balance Absolutely. all the time. That's right. And then we're taught, or we teach ourselves by our inner early interaction of life, of what's pleasurable and what's not. Now, as human beings, we mm-hmm. have the same 
makeup biologically. So many of us believe, you know, have the assumption that fire feels hot and getting physically harmed is painful. So we all share those things, but I think there's another element to what the meaning we put behind it beyond just whether it's pleasurable or not. Yeah. The meaning of, and, and the attachment that we have to things. Mm -hmm. uh, so attachment plays into conditioning because it is our desire to get a certain result from the action. So a pleasurable result. Would it be? Most of the time. Yeah. Uh, but not always, right? Uh, sometimes we take action just out of necessity, out of habit. Oh, okay. But even those uh, actions, when we take those actions and we're attached to their results, uh, they're having an impact on us. Meaning mm. uh, you can think of it like, that action is leaving a residue in your mind body mm. that is story, stored up. So um, in Buddhism, they, they talk about how uh, past karma begins to ripen at a certain time mm -hmm. and, and it starts to play out in your life. So it's very similar to that because if you think, well, all the actions that I've taken in the past have left a residue in my mind body what happens is that then I start to see the world through that lens mm -hmm. and I start to act through that karmic imprint, through those karmic imprints. It's almost like your ego's assuming what to expect based on the past and then you're actually stepping into it. it it's like you get what you expect or what you fear. Very similar to mm -hmm. that because um, we know that uh, past conditioning uh, then becomes like a way of doing things and a way of acting in the world in this automatic way. Like our emotional template. Like yeah, that we because story. we never question it, mm -hmm. uh, meaning we never become aware of what was my conditioning in the past. Mm. Uh, we simply assume that that's the way things should be for us. Mm -hmm. So if we think about potential, if you never work on your karma, if you never uh, burn up that karma, if you, you never examine it and you never bring it to awareness, you're essentially acting out of the limitations of your past. Mm -hmm. Whatever you experienced in the past, the you know uh, the conditioning, mm -hmm. whether it be for you, whether it be good, bad, or somewhere in between, uh, the the sum total of that is what you're going to bring into the present moment. Would it also be what you think about, like action, not only what you do, but the constant thought? So mm. let's say you're always having this thought, I'm afraid of people criticizing me. I'm afraid of people criticizing me. I don't want to put myself out there because I'm afraid yeah. of people criticizing me. And then you post something on Instagram, and guess what? <laughs> the people criticize you because it's almost like you planted the seed in a way, or you're maybe seeing that part of your mind reflected back. So it's basically your karma, like you've created that experience in a way. Or maybe you have 100 people say, what a great post, and one person says, what a terrible post and you you're basically conditioned like the ego looks for that one thing that it's afraid of is that a way of explaining it a little bit more too yeah pretty much because we the the proper understanding that we have of consciousness now is that we create our reality based on our 
language structure. And we use language to structure the the meaning of our reality. Not only that, like the the actual uh, events and the things that we pay attention to. Mm-hmm. But there is a whole lot of uh, kind of unspoken assumptions about who we are and what we can expect from the world that is coming from conditioning. In mm-hmm. other words, that's our past karma. Mm-hmm. And therefore, those unconscious assumptions about who I am and what's possible for me become our reality. Are you looking for a satisfying career as a life coach? If you are seeking a deeper path of training and growth, Creative Mind University offers an ICF-accredited life coach training program that goes beyond surface positive thinking and into a powerful process of real transformation. You can start your new career as a certified life coach trained in a unique methodology based on Jungian theory, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Get the tools to become your true self, change your life, and the lives of others. Visit creativemindlife.com, click on apply, and speak with one of our team members today to discuss your future and possibilities of becoming a certified life coach. That's creativemindlife.com. So what you worry about actually you can attract more not attract more of it but you're basically seeing that reality a lot more than if you didn't worry about something so the worrying creates a karma and we're taught and conditioned to worry about certain things that Mm. our parents worried about or what an event created that made us worry and then that becomes basically a part of our conditioning to worry about something well let's simplify it yeah because it is an important uh, fact to to know about karma and action. So let's say you're a B student most I'm of your not life. A B student? No, not you. Of course, okay. you were an A student. I know you're <laughs> straight A. Uh, but let's say you're a B student most of your life mm-hmm. in in yeah. in school, in college, on and on. Um, that. All those actions that you were taking, right? Taking the test, getting feedback from your teachers, uh, presenting your report cards to your parents and getting feedback from them. All of those actions are stored in your mind body as I am a B student. Which means there are deep seated assumptions about who I am and what I can expect from the world. Mm. Now, as you grow up. What do you, you never expect to excel. You always yeah. expect to do, to do maybe a little better than most people, but yes. not superstar. Good enough. Yeah, good enough. Yeah, pretty good. Nobody's going to uh, call you out if, if you're a B student. You're, you're doing okay, but you're not the best. So all those assumptions, there's nothing wrong with them, right? But they're going to limit your adult life now mm-hmm. because you've never examined, is that true? Are those assumptions real or are they just uh, effects of my conditioning, of my past actions? And if they are, which most of the time they are, that means your job and the kind of money that you will make in as an adult will essentially reflect that B student status. 
Well, the same thing with relationships. We always get the relationship mm -hmm. that we've been conditioned to have. So if you've had a critical parent or, you know, and never felt like you fit in, you go out and try to meet people, it's going to be the same experience because that's your karma. You, It's not... A, like, I think one of the big misconceptions about karma is like some force out there is giving you this karma and you're, you have to live it out. Like you, it's this force, external force, but it's basically created because most of us are just absorbing as, you know, younger people just absorbing the world. We, we don't have that discernment yet. So we're absorbing and creating our karma early in life and that's why we need to examine it so we can be free so that you know there's some schools that say well there's this kind of check uh, you know scoreboard in the sky and it's like you, you did this and this and we're gonna uh, measure you and there's some other force judging you but it's actually your own self that's doing the judgment uh, yeah it, it's an interaction between you and the environment mm -hmm. uh, both social environment physical environment everything because where does action take place for human beings uh, I mean it takes place in, in a physical environment but really what's important to us is the, that social environment yeah we're always very conscious of how am I going to appear to others how are my actions going to appear to others? And so we become very focused on getting certain results that help us adapt, that help us uh, be promoted in, uh, in school, for example, right? We're always, the aim is to get the A or, mm. or please the parents and please the teachers. So that, uh, those attachments then play into how we read the results that we get from the actions. Mm. And that becomes attachment, of course. Mm that we're attached to getting certain results and then we read those results as either negative or positive. They're positive, of course, if they're helping us move towards the A. They're negative if they're pulling us towards the C based on our subjective experience. Well, another level of that, wouldn't you say that we identify with the external as personal? So an event happens and we think, I'm bad because this happened or I'm a failure mm. because like we start identifying with the results in life as our self-concept. Yeah. And then that almost re and reinforces that self-concept and that how we see the world almost through that filter of who we think we are on a, on a um, human level. We think we're this little tiny being in this big, crazy, wild world and we're trying to survive. And, and then, th then there's this karma that's like, dictating our life but if we can start seeing that we're the ones who are kind of experience uh, can create their own experience and can break free so before we go on to how do we free ourselves just really quickly like why would we have karma like what's the benefit yeah. of having conditioning and i think i always say it wouldn't be nice to not have to learn how to tie your shoes every day or get up every morning or remember people's faces like karma uh, or that conditioning is all about like helping us do the same things over and over we learn how to drive we learn how to ride a bike all that's stored so there's a benefit and then know what to be afraid of we don't have to keep relearning what we should fear that's a big part of it yeah. uh, so for survival yes and, and there are a lot of ideas are out there around kind of the the sense of justice like mm -hmm. you were saying you know that that if you do bad things you're going to be punished and if you do good things you're going to be rewarded but again, karma doesn't work that way. It's, it's neutral. In other words, you're simply 
reaping what you sow, mm-hmm. uh, meaning what, whatever you're attached to and whatever you're focusing on in when you are taking action becomes part of your mind-body, then that becomes the way you see things and, and the things you expect to see in reality. So it's like a bubble, like you said, we're, we're in this bubble of our own judgments. That's right. And our own fears, and we can't see outside of it in the beginning until we examine it. Yes, which means, and, and this is an important point, that you will not be able to see opportunities that are there present in your environment because you're in that bubble of just good enough or, you know, like in the example of the B student, you're caught up in that just good enough bubble. And you think it's your fate. You think yeah. that that's as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Therefore, that's what you perceive. Like all I'm capable of. And uh, this is all I'm capable of. This is why people settle in life. They Very settle so. for the boring job because they're like, well, you know, this is as good as it gets, or I have to be responsible, or um, I'm not smart enough to do something else. Uh, I'm not talented enough to do something else. And then it feeds back to us. I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, you know, thrifty enough to, uh, to create my own business. So I'm just going to stay in my little bubble. Yeah. So if you've ever wondered why it's so difficult to change a uh, kind of status and position in life. It's precisely because of conditioning or karma. A, your karmic past. So your, your how can karma. we be free? How can we, how can we, let's talk about burning karma. I like that. Yes. It's not like getting a letter and writing and burning it. In the, yeah. But, so, so the why, why does it exist? Uh, you, you hit the, the nail on the head, right? That it, if, if our mind body learns from every action that we take. In other words, it learns what to expect and and how to do it. Um, We don't have to think through every new situation. We're kind of using that stored up karma, that learning from past experiences uh, to understand the present situation. Mm -hmm. The only problem with that, of course, is that we're kind of going, uh, we're sleepwalking through life. Because our our mind, our brain, body is essentially acting out like of its karmic past instead of really experiencing the moment in this fresh, mm. new way. Like we don't even stop to question things. We're like, oh, that's bad. That's good. Like it, it, we just have a reaction to it emotionally. Like either yeah. we're attracted or repulsed by certain or fear or have fear around certain situations instead of opening it up and questioning well what am i really experiencing here like yes. the the uh, farmer well i had had a son yeah that seems like a great thing but he wasn't attached that this is going to be the greatest thing in my life and only good things can come out of having a son um yeah so if you don't if you're not seeing reality if you're not seeing the moment then you're essentially bringing all that past karma into the present moment and you are that that's the karma ripening essentially that you're bringing this past conditioning into the current moment and therefore you're always getting the same results mm-hmm. that's why people get the same results because uh you it, look at the world the same way yeah it doesn't matter what the opportunity is if you are entering that space as this is who i am and this is what's possible for me from that past conditioning that's what you're going to do with the current situation. Mm. 
That's why people repeat these patterns over and over. But the good news is that we can change. Mm -hmm. And the, the change comes through, like you were saying, that metaphor of we have to burn up this past karma. We have to free ourselves from past conditioning. And so how do we burn it? <laughs> we burn, burn it, burning down the house. So, so basically, when you say burn, it's like energy. It's very much a, so. It is a fuel. Yeah. Yeah, because if you think about, yeah, your your mind body is storing all this up, meaning mm -hmm. it's potential. It's, it's, it's energy within you. It's unexpressed potential. Yes. And it, it, most of the time, people are using it simply as a kind of survival, at mm. the survival level, right? That it's operating instinctually, intuitively, and they just go through life uh, kind of sleepwalking. Mm -hmm. But knowledge, the Gita says, higher knowledge, knowledge of what is the true nature of the mind, what is the true nature of reality, and most importantly, who is the self that is experiencing all the, this, mm. these things we call the world? Um, that kind of knowledge burns up karma. Like you said, the light of the, it's the light, like a light, like a light inside of, of higher knowledge, of divine yes. uh, wisdom in us uh, shines the light on the misperception. And we start to see things as they truly are versus what our past assumptions say they are. And we start to see the opportunity in everything and even like oh, like keeping it open to like the, he said could be good, could be bad. It's like that's the attitude. You have to keep it open because if you shut it down and say this is bad, there's no potential there. And then if you shut it down and say this is good, again, you're attached. So what to be open to maybe let, let's see what an opportunity is I almost have a more openness to responding to life circumstances yeah well there's a, there's a couple of really interesting ideas in the gita around how do we work with karma mm -hmm. how do we burn it up so one of them is the idea of yoga mm -hmm. so yoga uh, it, not not in the sense of just asanas uh, mm -hmm. as we we kind of consider them in the west but Yoga is a mental discipline and a spiritual discipline, a psycho-spiritual discipline, let's say. Um, these, the, the, the Gita talks about four different approaches in yoga. So one of them is devotion. Mm. Right? We, we cultivate a sense of loving our spiritual essence and devoting ourselves to it. And devoting our human pursuits to a higher, higher, higher desire? To a higher purpose, exactly. Yeah. Like um, I want to have a, a romantic relationship and a partnership. I want to experience that, but I also want to dedicate that to my higher purpose. Yes. That it also serves a higher purpose. Uh, I want to be successful because it also serves a higher purpose versus it's feeding my ego. Yeah, yes. The, the second one is uh, karma yoga, mm -hmm. meaning uh, selfless action for the sake of the benefit of others. Mm. So that it's that that's a, a way of working uh, a yoga of action. Mm. Now think in, in these terms, right? If, if karma, meaning action or, or work, uh, is the conditioning effect on you, selfless action 
you're you're essentially leaving the you out of it, the, mm-hmm. the I, in a sense, the ego. Therefore, your the action is performed for the sake of others. Mm. So it's not selfish. It's not which selfish. is hard to do a selfish action, but it, it takes practice. Right? That's right. Well, I think the way to do it is to begin to do that is to let go of the attachment to the result. Because in the action itself, you might not be conscious of that intention unconsciously, but you can test yourself. If you say, oh, I want to help others. I want to share <laughs> love and wisdom in the world, or I want to you know, share my love with someone else, and then that person doesn't call you back, or you post something online and they give you criticism, it, it's a real test to see how attached you are. Are mm-hmm. you really attached to the ego feeling better because they have that result? Uh, or is it do it? You're doing it for the action itself, regardless if it's good or bad, uh, positive or negative. Uh, the third one is then is uh, Raja's yo- Raja Yoga, which is uh, uh, meditation essentially, mm-hmm. contemplation, meditation, introversion, uh, introspection, mm-hmm. looking inward, and of course, uh, kind of developing, cultivating these mental states where you're free from the ego sense. Yeah. You start to become more the witness versus the thinker and the feeler, the yes. mind-body processes, and you get to that uh, kind of more awareness, a higher awareness, Yes, meta-awareness. And the fourth one is uh, this, uh, this kind bhakti. of... We did bhakti. No, we, it's bhakti, karma, rajas. Yana. Yana yoga. Yana. I love, that's my favorite. Yeah, Yana Yoga is essentially like wisdom, mm-hmm. uh, higher knowledge, mm-hmm. and understanding. Not not only not the intellect, just the intellectual understanding, right? But the really knowing, in a true sense, uh, of this these spiritual principles. Well, it's like you always talk about the lower knowledge and the higher knowledge. Like lower knowledge is, oh, I understand this concept uh, consciousness and we're all one and karma that's low that's kind of mm. lower knowledge in a way we're kind of just understanding the in, on an intellectual level but higher knowledge is having a direct experience where you almost know it's not you'd believe it but you know it oh i i, I really understand it now mm. it's like intellectual understanding and then the higher understanding yes so what do all these four yogas have in common it is that they they all address the question of the ego, the mm. I. They all dissolve the I and kind of get it out of the way mm. so that the the true self can emerge. So I always say everything, every problem we have in our life is because we believe we're the ego. We identify with our results. We identify with our actions, what this mind-body character does. We make it about this ego personality versus this other part of ourselves that is not affected by anything this body does or says or thinks. But we're, when we're caught up in that bubble, we mm. only see this limited body in this separate world. And uh, so the higher knowledge helps that. So when we burn karma, back to burning karma, these four ways, what is a simple way to explain that it's just bringing that light, whatever vehicle works for you to understand your true Yeah, I, mean, I think it works at many levels. But if you think about what prompts a person to seek higher knowledge, to seek out a, a yoga, uh, for example, mm-hmm. it is that that pain, that suffering that comes from 
repeating, repeating the same process over and over and and feeling that you're locked into this life mm-hmm. right that you don't have a sense of agency that you're not able to create and choose what the things that you yeah. want to create that prompts people to search and therefore it leads them to higher knowledge hmm. right. and so just quickly just to start one of the things you can do is start um, questioning your assumptions about an event whether it's good or bad instead of immediately just watch your mind judge everything like the long line at the starbucks or someone cutting in front of you at the grocery or um, being late for something or someone not showing up for you in a certain way if you can see everything is it's not good or bad let me open it up to see what the opportunity mm-hmm. is something fresh will emerge naturally just from you being not just tunnel vision into that old pattern of thinking and seeing is starting to see your life and things that show up differently and even if it's let's make if it was always negative let's make it positive to start but you find that way to look in the neutrality and that, I think that's scary for people because mm. we always want to be careful you know we don't want to numb ourselves but this isn't really numbing it's more enlightening yes and and the second interesting idea that emerges from this uh, understanding of action and karma is that there's no need to really uh, kind of work through all the karma because if you realize that there is no I, that there is no, no mm. true sense of you as an, as an ego, uh, the karma has nothing to hold on to. It's like you can be karma-free in, in a moment. In that an you, instant. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Instant karma? Instant karma. <laughs> bec- because the karma, the, all the principles of karma explained in the Gita and the Upanishads only apply if there is an I. If you believe that the ego is real and the I is real. That's right. Yeah, and that's all you are. Yes. When you're acting and experiencing the world and believing that you are this ego, this individual that is separate from everything else, that's when the laws of karma apply. So only the ego actually can be triggered by life events, either good or positive or negative. Only the ego places that. Uh, value on the on those things and transcending the ego is about transcending the the assumption of those values yes very much so and, and so there you see the, the beautiful logic and the beautiful uh, the depth of that knowledge that's in the gita and the mm. upanishads there, there's nothing comparable in the west that that explains it that clearly there are people of course like uh, meister eckert uh, who's a christian uh, mystic who kind of perceived the same ideas uh, through his uh, experiences of God, but n- he, it's never presented in this very clear psychological way mm-hmm. as it is in the Gita and the Upanishads, that uh, car- you can be free of karma, essentially, if you let go of this false identity of yourself as an ego, mm. as, a, as an I. So this is a juicy topic. Uh, we could talk for hours on this. But we will have in our next episode is about non-attachment. So we'll go deeper into this. And if you haven't uh, listened to our other uh, previous episode on desire, which is the first part of the series, be sure to check that out. If you uh, are on YouTube and you want to subscribe to our channel, 
please click the button in the corner and subscribe. And we also invite you, if you're listening to our podcast, to subscribe to uh, us, our Soul Sessions with Deb, uh, with Creative Mind on Spotify and all the other Apple I, I, uh, podcasts and all the other uh, podcast apps that are out there. Uh, we hope to see you every week. And we're really excited for this summer series to burn up our karma, uh, free ourselves from ego desires, and <laughs> create something wonderful in our life. Uh, see you next time. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe to Creative Mind Soul Sessions. And join us next week as we explore another deep topic where you can consciously create your life with Creative Mind Soul Sessions. See you next time.